everybody once again. You had to do the Jagger. Welcome to another edition after further review. Mark Ferrer, John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor, of course, our producer as well. Happy uh, Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. It is. Um, there was nice football on last night. Makes it weird. Have a I Tuesday was. night game. I was. Um, we'll talk about that, certainly. Surprising game. I think we I think we all have to come to terms with the fact that we're wrong about one thing coming into this season. And it has nothing to do with the Buffalo Bills and everything to do with the Tennessee Titans, frankly. Yep, no doubt. Um, there's also baseball to talk about. Uh, break, break up the teams on the I-75 corridor because they're yeah. unfreaking stoppable. Nice. That was, your, that was your call, brother. Nice. I-75 World Series. Nice garbage time runs for you, Dodgers. That's absolutely perfect. Mays champion. Get within one in the final inning. There you go. Enjoy your fourth place trophy. I was, I was concerned. I was, I mean, 90 feet away being down six to nothing. It was exciting. It was fun. It was, it was really fun. And Corey Seager, what a huge game. And the only way I knew, because you're going to jump back between so much sports-wise. And I'm telling you, I'm literally losing interest because there's so much. It's like, I can't I can't wrap my head around it. And then I asked my wife if she wants to watch an episode of Outlander. And I'm like, I'll just record it, and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do later. Um, but, uh, I, Mark, I had that experience. You know, when you talk about uh, that, it's never the teams, particularly for us, now that we've worked um, in sports for a while, we've interviewed guys with teams. I mean, I grew up hating the Cowboys. You, you hate the Dodgers. But we've all interviewed guys on those teams that were great. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you, 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 have, you love Vin Scully, even, even normal Vin Scully, a little bit less than evil Vin Scully, but you do. Um, and all those things. So it's always the fans that make you, that, that reignite your distaste. And I don't really have a huge distaste. For the Los Angeles Dodgers, to be to be honest, um, in the seventies when when I was a kid, and they were in the World Series seventy seven seventy eight. Certainly, I I was actually rooting for the Yankees, but that's because I'd met Catfish Hunter, and you know, as a kid, those those things mean a lot to you. But I really hatred for the Dodgers, but Dodgers fans annoy me. I admit that. Um, and uh, last night they were just getting they were just getting boat raced by the Atlanta Braves. Um, and, uh, the catalyst for the turnaround was the, the, uh, text that Riley Claremont sent us, uh, was. which was, I believe a buster only text about the fact that at that point they were plus 26 in the run differential in the playoffs, which is just crazy. And then they went off and they hit a bunch of, uh, they, they knocked in a bunch of runs, uh, coming up just short. So it's, I mean, that's, that's the Dodge, the Los Angeles Dodgers coming up a bit short. That's their motto. It's on t-shirts and everything. Um, but, um. Somebody that I know we'll who's see. a Dodger a who, who's a, who somebody I know who's a Dodger fan who didn't grow up in Los Angeles, didn't grow up in even Vero Beach, I would give you. Um I is just he, see is he this, also a cowboy fan of this yep. guy. Oh yeah. I just see this uh large uh, flip on the book of face for whatever reason, probably so I can prod somebody with Big some sort of Political comment, get him, get him upset. And I just see in like the beginning, he raised the font and in all capital letters, Seeger. And I thought, holy crap, because I checked in earlier. It was seven to nothing. And I checked in earlier and, and I thought, God, did I miss something? Was, you know, did they tie it up or they were it was, you know, three run homer? So I'm like, well, you're within four and you put that out there. So then I just started openly once again, hoping and, 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 happily it came true that they would still lose the game in heartbreaking fashion because now that's where i am with the dodgers i don't hate them at all but because of their fans i don't want them just to lose it i want them to push it to seven i want game seven to go extra innings and i want them to lose 
because I want the pain to linger. I want the pain to metastasize for these people. All right. Because you don't just you don't so the, the, the 17 font size yeah. font all caps when you hit a three homer to get within four. I agree. I agree. Wholeheartedly. Like a sack dance when you're down 20. And but see, the thing is, the Dodgers oh. have already experienced that heartbreak. And that was last year. Yeah, I know. The all's team. I want they, more of it. They were two and one. They were up two to one in a five-game series, lost game four, and in game five, they were ahead by two runs and then lost in the tenth inning in yeah. the deciding game because of a grand I know it's horrible. by Howie Kendrick. I mean, that couldn't have been sweeter. This time around, Johnny. I want to. I want to sweep. I do not want to deal with the. You strat. don't want them coming back on it. Well, now you know it's funny they're because to, their bats have awoken. If you ask me, and they're, oh my god, and, you and know, they're, and they're coming into the soft spot of the Atlanta uh, pitching, you know, rotation as well. So it's obviously they're the favorites to win the series at this point. That's still, what everybody says. The Dodgers are the favorites to win the series. They are still. This this is just what annoys me. It's the cowboy thing, and it's because it, it, uh, I've been hearing that too. And, and Alex Rodriguez last night. Again, I'm not. A lot of people hate. I don't hate A-Rod. I think he does a nice job on the broadcast. But he's yeah. like, you take that last inning, and that's inning one of the next game. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not at all. It's the last inning of the last game, which, by the way, you lost. So that's what you have to take with you. Now, maybe their bats have awakened. Who knows? Who knows about any of that? But what has awakened is my distaste for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, I don't. I mean, I'm going to encourage that to the. I end. was like David Crosby with Eddie Van Halen. Meh. That's where I was on the Dodgers, and and now I'm now I have a lot of a lot of distaste. Man, he did not. He that was not a good call. And then of course he 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 dealt, sort of doubles down on himself right. inadvertently. Right. You know, like he's an, old, he's an old he's an old guy. Well, but, I, love the, I think he said literally, I didn't remember that he had died. And he died like 48 hours before. And I know David Crosby can't be expected to have a lot of really great short-term memory. I mean, he knows how to play Guinevere on the guitar, probably in 30 different keys. But to ask David Crosby, yeah, what time's the 7 o'clock news on? There's probably going to be a little bit of a question there. But um, he, uh, yeah, the, the, the meh. And he he did actually go back and say he just was never a Van Halen. It was not surprising necessarily. Yeah, um, he, he could have been. He, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, I agree with you about Dodger fans, obviously, and I'm agree with you about the Dodgers, obviously. But I'd like to. I'd like a clean sweep. I'd like to get it out of there. I, I do worry. Uh, and you're right about there is no such thing as momentum. Momentum in baseball, we've heard yeah. this before, is today's starting pitchers. Right now, today's starting pitchers gives the Dodgers momentum. And and but but the other thing about that is, you know what momentum is? Momentum's winning two games in a row. You know right. when you're, you know, if you've won a couple games in a row, okay, maybe you feel like, oh, we're, you know, we're figuring out the batting. So if we get to these same relief pitchers at this point in time, as if that means anything. But you, they have the momentum. The, the Braves have the momentum of being up two zero. So I would, I'll take that momentum over the, hey, we came with win one. Corey Seager, the greatest almost hero in the history of baseball. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing He's the it. most exciting loser ever. Corey Seager. Come That's, on. That, I mean, no, it's great. I love it. I, I, I could let you go on and on and on and just watch you. You can imagine how that annoys you. Know how, you know how, like, when I get annoyed. You, you know how I am when I get annoyed. And I did. I looked down and I thought, "Oh crap! Now I have Every to check moment. into the. I have to check into the game. It's often, um, but now I have to check into the game. Oh my God! It's going to be. And I'm like, they're down four. 
you know, if you if it get even if it had gotten you within one, because you're right in the end when they had the the winning run at third, I'm like, or the tying run at third, I'm like, holy crap, this is epic. But uh, you know, Corey Seager hits a three run homer when you're down seven to nothing, and you're gonna you're gonna take a couple of laps around the parking lot in your seventy Chevelle, which ugh, God Almighty again, again, everything I hate. Uh, they're up to nothing. I'd like to see them sweep, but uh, the Dodgers, I think. Probably should still be favored. Uh, the Braves throw out a couple no, guys. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be favored. I think. I think they should be. No, they should not be favored. You can say they uh, that you know they're they're not done for. I would agree with that. A two zero lead in a best of seven series is never safe. In- 15 percent of the teams in the eighty plus games that a team has started two to nothing, fifteen percent only yeah. have yeah. come back. The Dodgers are three of those teams, though, that have done right. that. And I right. remember the 70, uh, actually 81 World Series, they were down 2 nothing. Yeah. And came back and won this thing 4-2, to two, which I would not be surprised at at all. I called this series at, at, at six games. Yeah. And I would still not be surprised at that. But, uh, yes, I also agree, John, that I think the A-Rods of the world, that's sort of a broadcast 101 thing, it seems like. Because I remember game one of the 2012 World Series – you know, Pablo Sandoval hits three home runs off Justin Verlander. They have an eight to nothing lead going into the ninth, and the Tigers score three to make it eight to three. And literally, the commentary was, "Okay, here they come! All right, the Giants need to worry. Woo! They beat them eight to three against Justin Verlander. I don't think it's the Giants that should be worrying." I was watching. Way to get the San Francisco Giants in this. I was watching a college football game this weekend, and I may have the numbers a little bit off, but you'll appreciate this. It's like thirteen to nothing at the end of you know towards the end of the second quarter, and the team that hadn't scored scores a touchdown, and and the announcer said they're right back in it. I'm like they were never out of it. Right, they're down thirteen to nothing in the second quarter. It's this idea, and I think this is a good idea. We're not going to get into politics. We're not going to get into politics or anything, but I think there's with media, uh, any sort of media, they have a rooting interest for a horse race. And it's more interesting for them if it is a horse race. And while I do agree that the Dodgers are an outstanding team, I think the most talented team in the National League, maybe the best team in baseball, I think you could argue. I think to say that they are the favorites to win the series down 2-0 is just silly and stupid. I I don't know. I'm I'm just saying I bet Vegas, I bet they're still the favorite. Yeah. They'll be banging on trash cans any day now. And speaking of which, speaking of, it man. does seem that the chip on the shoulder uh, has rolled off because uh, the Rays are just owning uh, the Astros. Yeah, and and uh, Jose Altuve doing his best Chuck Knobloch impression. I don't know if you remember Knobloch in oh absolutely nine. Hey, hey ball went by me. I'm a Yankee. Ought to go our way. Where's the little kid to interfere? Hey, I know Chuck Knobloch's from like Indiana and doesn't speak like that, but still, he so, had that look. And I, I, you know, how long will it take before Dusty Baker is somehow blamed for this because of his postseason uh, lack of success? Even though he has, I think, 31 wins in the postseason. But yeah, you're right. The Rays are playing very well. Now the Rays are the best team in the American League. Yeah. So techni- and and the Astros were the eighth seed coming right. in. So technically, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. But uh, the Rays, once again, John, with the, I believe, 28th lowest payroll in Major League Baseball, have found a way to win. And who is the guy? It was Para, right, last year for the Nationals? Was it Gerard? 
Geraldo Parra. Is that his Gerardo name? Gerardo Parra. Gerardo, that's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he came in, and what everyone said about him, including Scherzer, who said this guy brought joy. He came in like right at the at the lowest point of the season for the Nationals when they were like 15 games under 500 and you know well out of it. And that kind of you know low cost investment that you get off, for lack of a better phrase, the scrap heap. Uh, can make such a difference in a team, and the Rays, the Rays, their entire existence yeah. have operated this way. Yeah, and uh, since they were in their last, since they won their last pennant, they've had eight other winning seasons. So yeah. it, it's working for them, and it's working like a charm right now. And they look unstoppable. Of course, sort of the Braves. The Rays have actually lost a game in the postseason. The Braves have not. Right. Yeah, though, that that's true. It, it It is remarkable what you're seeing. And again, I know we, we sing the praises of the Rays organization too much, but you're right, Mark. You know, you, there's that great scene at the end of Moneyball, which, again, if you haven't seen Moneyball, folks, you really need to see it. it's a great movie. But where uh, John Henry, the owner of the Red Sox. What's that? You've seen it 40 times, right? Or at least 40 times. I own it on DVD and I actually have it saved on my DVR because at some point I may need to see it and may not have the strength to get up and put the DVD in. <laughs> There are several. There are several movies on my DVR that I also own. That it's just bizarre. It's, it's that's good. That's forward thinking. Yeah, I may yeah. not have the strength. I'm prepared. You never know. Look, man. Look, man. Like me, uh, I could lose. I could lose my strength. The uh, use of some of my limbs at any moment. At any moment, a series of mini strokes could take me. It could happen during this show. We all. We all know. And I think there's a, a segment of the, of the audience, Nana, that, that checks in and out of the show just to see if, if the demise of me. No, they, they, there's betting odds uh, in Vegas about either one of us, John, during right. the course of uh, a particular show. Yeah. Um, possibly expiring. Yeah. It's, hey, listen, it's a, uh, it's a lot less work. We ought to give it a try. Um, so the, uh, uh, we, we sing their praises all of, all of the time. There's that scene in the end. John Henry brings in Billy Bean and talks to him about, you know, I want to hire you here because you won the same amount of games as, you know, the Yankees won and you did it for, you know, $300,000 a game and it cost them, you know, $2.2 million a game. I, mean, I don't know why everybody's not looking down the road at the Tampa Bay Rays. And frankly, Mark, from everything that I've seen and everything that I've read, the way they're doing it is simply by drafting smart, and developing the talent they have. They don't trade away those minor league assets that you see a lot of other teams do to get the big bat, to get, you know, to make the splashy signing. And it's just paid off for them. And, and, and their, their minor league instruction, it just it has to be phenomenal. But it's also the way they run their team day to day, because I think there's only two players on this current uh, starting lineup that are original Rays that were drafted right. by the Rays. They know how to trade, and they know how to develop really good talent and then trade that talent. Right, they but they don't. They Archer away, for, for but, crying out loud. But they don't do it. Great players. But they don't do it by taking three great minor league assets and trading them for the one big bat to make the run. They nope. don't do that. You're right. They use their trades to build a team. And, and, and you know, year in and year out, they're not as – and this is just me uh, spitballing here of what we see them. Year in, year out, they're not that – worried about having an off year, even a couple of off years, because they know they're building towards something, whereas a lot of teams 
will panic in that situation. It's really interesting that you brought up 81 because in 1981, George Steinbrenner famously apologized to Yankee fans yes. because that team lost. And, well, the, George Jr., whoever's running the team now, uh, Homer, well, I don't know who his name is, but uh, Steinbrenner has apologized to Yankee fans again this year. And it's that sort of, oh, my gosh, you know, we've had two years where, you know, maybe we're contending in August, but then it falls off. We need to go out and, and get the big free agent. We need to trade away these double-A guys. And I just I just think that if you look at the blueprint with the way the Rays do it, and it's never panic, trust the system, trust your system, put the right people in place, because obviously the instruction these guys are getting because you're right, Mark, the, the rest of the league is littered with Tampa Bay Rays prospects, guys who spent a year or two in the majors with them, who, who seemed on the verge of, you know, they were really, really good players, and they were taken to other teams, and they maintained their position of really good players, and now they're just really good players who are on a team that's not as good as the team that let them go, frankly. Right. It's remarkable to me. Yeah, Tom Reno saying they signed a lot of great role players, but let, let's just take a look at Chris Archer. Chris Archer drafted by the Cleveland Indians, I think then goes to the Cubs, and while he's still a prospect, traded to the Rays. So the Rays didn't even develop him, but they've got such good eyes on everything that they can make a trade there. So now Chris Archer comes to the major leagues, develops into a really good pitcher, and they're able to then trade Chris Archer to the Pirates for Tyler Glasnow, who has, you know, who's playing great for the Rays. And it's that wheeling and dealing, as well as this great eye for talent, for young talent, for developing talent, for role-playing talent, that has sustained them. I mean, a, a team... That and not mortgaging your future. Second Don't mortgage to last your future. Last. Don't mortgage your future. That's too. It's with, we haven't used that right. hoary old phrase, but that's what they don't seem to do, frankly. Yeah. So they're up three nothing. Um, only one other time in the history of Major League Baseball postseason is that anyone ever come back, and it wasn't an ALCS. So. I suppose it still could happen, but I don't think it will. So congratulations, really, to the Tampa Bay Rays. By the way, the uh, Braves, I mentioned, haven't lost. They're, uh, they're tied for the NL record for seven straight wins starting the postseason. Now, until, this, until the wild card round came around, or actually, actually until the divisional round came around, which I think was 95, right. um, the only way that could happen is if you, if you swept uh, – League Championship Series. Series, and then swept the World Series. And I think the only national team to have done that were the uh, Cincinnati Reds in 1976, speaking of the late, great Joe Morgan, which we were um, last show. So I don't know. I mean, this start is yeah, pretty rare. And I think, again, what it is, you know, when you and I, we talked about it in the last show, uh, and I know that we skipped over the progressive and we need to jump that, but uh, – is the fact that going into this season, everybody said, you know, the Braves have a really good lineup. They have a lot of good young talent with Acuna and guys. They have other guys uh, who uh, some veteran players who can role play. They've, they've got platoon guys uh, in the, both the outfield and the infield that are kind of the same. You know, there's not a huge drop off. That's a really good lineup. The pitching, you know, we're a little we're a little worried about the pitching and. Boy, did that come together for them. So they are a formidable task. And, you know, the Dodgers agreed, best team in the National League, maybe the best team in baseball, and they're going to have to be um, to beat well, this Braves team. Because I think just about it after after Freed and, and Anderson, you know, it gets pretty soft, mm -hmm. and they're not taking days off. Yeah, so that is, to get yeah, Freed back in there, 
to get Anderson back in there is going to be late in the series yeah. if, they, if they come back at all. So I anticipate it probably going the distance, but I would not be surprised if the Dodgers went four straight. Right now, the odds are Braves are one to three and the Dodgers are 15 to eight. Yeah. Uh, no whatever the hell that means. I don't know what that means. I guess one to, th- I don't know what that means. We're breaking down like fractions, smack each other in the press, and we don't print retractions. That's that's what I think, Mark. All right, let's let's do the progressive trivia, and then we we, we can talk a little bit more about baseball. I just find this I just find it fascinating. This baseball. All right, uh, this is Marky's. So I'm do you really, want to go ahead and read? I'm it? really happy with this one, John. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Okay, I'm giving a lot of good clues up front. He's a Heisman Trophy winner, starting off. Led the NFL in rushing one year. Led his team in rushing yards seven times. And led the league in touchdowns one year, rushing touchdowns. That's it. All right. Okay. Well, that's a good uh, NFL. NFL, National Football League. Uh, I am sending you a a a text there with who I think it might be. Um, That's exactly right. uh, Thank you. Uh, In the well, I I guess because, but still. Well, there's there's several reasons actually, but uh, unbelievable. You know what was really unbelievable is uh, that the Tennessee Titans seem to seem to be. <laughs> I, I just that's just not <laughs> just not happy with that at all. Right? No, now. I, I can. Yeah, I can I'm not happy. So I can, I'm even happier. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, the Tennessee Titans are. Can we just say it now? They're they're a good football team. They're well coached. Obviously, they they're getting. They're getting excellent quarterback play. Yes, yes. They can run the football defensively. They, it, I mean, it looked like a, a high school varsity and JV team, given the the defense of the Bills, which may be an Achilles heel that we didn't see coming for them because that just now. Let's let's also remember there's been postponements. It's a Tuesday night. There are a lot of things going on there. Uh, Josh Allen had a uh, a less than stellar game. That was a little subpar for him. But he's what second year quarterback, so you're going to have those things. Um, but I do think the story coming out of last night is going to be how bad the Bills' defense is. But I think the story coming out of it is that uh, you don't want those Patriots assistants. You want the ex-players. Because yeah. I think Mike Vrabel is, if that team gets back to the playoffs, Mark, yeah. I mean, how is he not considered one of the best coaches in the NFL? I, I don't think anybody would argue that their roster is that much better than anybody else. They have some good players, clearly. But they are a well-rounded football team, and I love the fact that they just did not take their foot off the pedal last night either. They just kept going. I think it's also uh, we and we've we've mentioned Mike Vrabel. We've mentioned ex players being the, the real coaching tree of uh, Bill Belichick as opposed to ex coaches, and I think that's a fun way to look at it. There's no doubt about it, and Vrabel's doing a great job. But me, first of all, I've 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 dismissed them pretty vehemently this whole season time yep. time to back off on that and i've dismissed ryan Tannehill, and it's time for me john it's time for me to say he's the jim plunkett of our t- of our day oh wow i look at him and i think this guy is an elite quarterback and so, mark may be more surprising that he got the other chance because plunkett was a heisman trophy winner and an overall number one choice and those guys are always given more opportunity than a guy like Tannehill, who was, yes, he was drafted relatively high, but everybody knew he played tight end. He was a bit of a project. And for him to be able to come back and do this, I could not agree more. I couldn't agree. He's, it's it's a great story. And he and all indications is he's just a good dude, too. 
How in the world did you get that progressive trivia? By the way, Barry Sanders is the guest from uh, Joe Connell. <laughs> not correct. Well, it's um, it, the first two clues were uh, Heisman Trophy winner and led yeah. the NFL in rushing once. Yeah. I think I have an idea of what year that was. Um, yeah, you just you just know this player pretty pretty well for a I lot do. of reasons. I do. And, plus, plus, was, I also know your pocket for Heisman trophies and all that. And I also know that you often go back to schools that you know. And uh, so I, you know, that I was I was predestined to that. That was that was an easy one for me. Maybe not everybody else. Clearly, it's not Eddie George. No, not Eddie George. Um, yeah, I just. Uh, uh, we could talk about the Bills, and maybe there are some worrying things moving forward with the Bills. I think that defense certainly does need to get better. But as we've said, the defenses have not caught up with the offensives yet. Um, Josh Allen turned the ball over a couple times. They had a lot of difficulty uh, with their offensive line. There were a lot of things that, that, that the Bills – the Bills did make some mistakes and didn't play – up to their potential, I agree. But 42-16 is 42-16. And, and you've got to look at the Bills and say, are they really as good as we thought? Because if you look at the second half against the Rams, their defense completely broke down. They almost lost that game. And uh, much, like the, uh, much like the Braves in the ninth inning, uh, perhaps the second half of the Rams game, you know, portended a disaster for the Bills. I mean, I, no one expected a route like this. No one did. No, no, not at all. And uh, I, uh, I think a healthy Cam Newton, if we had that right now, and yeah, we'll the, see the, the East, and and who knows about the Dolphins? The lead story would be, you know, because a week and a half ago it was the Bills are going to cakewalk in hey, away, yeah. with with you know the the Dolphins may have an opportunity. Excuse me, the the Patriots may have an opportunity with Cam to get in as a as a wild card team, and you know even the Dolphins maybe maybe the and and now you look at this and you think well you know, maybe 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 we overvalued Buffalo. I, I don't know. I, again, I think Tennessee is better than people think they are. I think they're better than other NFL teams think they are because I don't think there's any doubt last year in the playoffs that they were undervalued by their opponents in every game, in every game thought, okay, these guys, this is a fun little story. They're making a little run now. Like the Jim Harbaugh Colts did. Remember that they they made this little run. It was kind of fun. And they're still if Quentin Corriott had (laughs) wide receivers hands or tight end hands. That game would have been an Indianapolis victory. But I, 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 geez, I just think, I just think they're good. Yeah. I just think they're good. I, I agree as well. I mean, I, I don't know how you get around it. They're 4-0 at this point in time, and they beat a 4-0 team. All right, let me they let me com- handily. Let me completely switch gears. Uh, we're going to give the clues to the progressive uh, trivia. Um, and, uh, and then we're going to jump back, and I know we have a potpourri section coming up, but I want to talk a little bit more about this because there's some, there's some interesting discussions uh, involving quarterbacks right now in the NFL, and I just want to get your opinion on them. And you have a little parlor game you want to play, which I am uh, completely in favor of. Beautiful. Um, I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's do. Let's give the uh, clues for, for those of you who may need them uh, for this progressive trivia. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner led the NFL in rushing one year, led his team in rushing yards seven times, led the league in touchdowns one year. Second set of clues, played six playoff games and won a Super Bowl. I was a number one overall draft pick. Rookie of the year, and I played with two teams. All right. You think you know who it is? 
and you know chime in if you're watching or if you're listening John already knows john i did knows. i did i got it got could have got it with the first two clues probably could have gotten it with the first two clues that was it um he, uh the quarterback stuff that people have been talking about today i think it's pretty interesting um we both talked about uh philip rivers and the fact that uh you know, he over the last few years, Philip has been out, outstanding quarterback in this league for a long time. I think he's deserved more success than he's had in the playoffs. I don't think playoff failures of the Chargers were necessarily always his fault, uh, though he, you know, he did underperformance in some of those games. But over the last couple of years, it's been relatively obvious that his skill set has dropped off a little bit. He's going to an Indianapolis team right now that has an outstanding defense and can run the football. And many people feel the only thing keeping them from being a legitimate contender is the quarterback play. What is your feeling on that? And is there, is there any thought that they could go out and get somebody else at this late date? Well, first of all, who's out there that would be more trustworthy than Phillip rivers. And, and again, is Phillip rivers better than Jacoby Brissett? Probably. Mm. It's not, it's not Charles White. I knew, I knew Tommy was going to go with a USC quarterback once you said that of my proclivities about colleges, uh, but it's not Charles White. I don't think he had that kind of success in the NFL. I know he uh, played with Tampa Bay, I believe. Uh, well, Ricky Charles Bell White. did for sure. Oh, Ricky Charles Bell, White. Charles White, he's, the Rams, maybe, maybe. maybe. I don't, I, I don't he, know. He didn't have. He was kind of undersized. Charles White, good player. Uh, yeah, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I, was it necessarily Philip Rivers that? Uh, contributed to the loss against the Browns. I thought yeah. a lot of it was their defense that uh, allowed Baker Mayfield to kind of go he's, down the field. He's just looked, though, he's looked a little bit like Phillip Rivers the last couple of years, which is maybe trying to force things, uh, working a little bit, uh, um, feeling a little bit like he's the Phillip Rivers of 26 years old that could that had the cannon that could fit the ball into the, the tighter spaces. You see this from quarterbacks. And we're going to talk about another one who's taking a lot of criticism right now, a, a first ballot Hall of Famer that a lot of people think are, is holding his team back. But I think there are, I think there are uh, I think there are signs that the signing of Phillip Rivers may not have been the right move for for Indianapolis at this point in time, because I think there are signs that that's a team maybe like Tennessee that's better than we think they are well, better than we thought they were. And again, I wasn't that thrilled with the signing to begin. Yeah, with. Yeah. You're never a huge fan of uh, the late rivers uh, last few years. You, you've, really, you've always been long really the whole rivers in terms of uh, you don't you don't care for rivers. No, I you want to live by the sea. But I you don't do, care for rivers. I do love river. I love any body of water. I really do. I really do. Uh, okay, so I guess uh, Charles White did lead the league at one point in rush, rushing yards and touchdowns. He wasn't a number one overall pick, though, uh, Charles White, as far as I know. And uh, it's not Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I, I just never had that much faith in it. They're 3-2 and two right now. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Philip Rivers. I never had that much faith in him. They're 3-2. and two. You know, I, did, did anyone think the Indianapolis Colts were better than a 9-7 and seven team coming in? I, I mean, I certainly didn't. Well, I, a lot of people – well, just, just to clarify, I, I don't think that Miss Connolly was saying Colin Kaepernick was the guest for the progressive trivia. I think oh, that's who they should have signed. Ah, well, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, maybe he still he, they still can if they want to. Yeah, it, well, that'd be great. That'd be fun. I mean, Frank Reich would have to retool the entire offense, but hey, who, who's I, better I, making who's making coming in adjustments when things are when the chips are down than Frank Reich? For no God's sake, no one is better than he is. So no, I would love to see it. Surround himself with Don Strock and a couple of other guys, and my goodness, that'd be the 
they'd be odds on favorite. All right, the other guy that I'm talking about, I'm sure you know, is Drew Brees has taken a lot of heat um, down in New Orleans. Um, and they have underperformed. I think we we, we agree. Uh, we made excuses for New Orleans' first few weeks of the season, but I, I they're, they're not a very good football team right now. I think everybody would agree. Um, Brees, obviously, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats. Um, but he's not playing great. And there's a school of thought that the Taysom Hill situation is exacerbating the problem because what it's doing is it's not allowing either quarterback to really uh, exist at their potential, for lack of a better phrase. I just wanted to get your take on that because the Taysom Hill thing there for a while was really fun and uh, was a great change up to the Drew Brees fastball. But now there are people who feel like, you know, for Hill's continued development, maybe he needs to play more and maybe Drew Brees needs to be the spell guy or maybe Drew Brees needs to take a seat for a while. Do you really think Taysom Hill is the quarterback answer? He's more of a more of a slash kind of guy, right? Well, that's, sort of that's, more of a that's, gimmicky. Yeah, but that's I mean, the, it's James Winston. James Winston is the, is the guy. Well, but a lot of people, a lot of if people you want think, your arm strength back with, with uh, well, Michael but, Thomas and everyone else. You want arm strength down the field. But but people in the know down there are talking about the fact that Hill actually could serve as more of a traditional court. He's used in that way, some, somewhat like, you know, Cordell Stewart was used in that way before he became the starting quarterback. And I know he gets people all up in arms because of his um, – Of course. So what's the word I'm looking for? His uh, – um, Complexion? Yeah. Um, so I know that gets me. But he did, you know, develop, he became more of a traditional style of quarterback, though he had that extra added uh, uh, running option. Uh, but a lot of a lot of people just feel that the that the platooning with Hill, that giving Hill more time um, and moving away from Breeze at this point is I, just, I don't think it'll happen. But I don't think there's any I don't think there's any doubt that from Breeze, you go to Winston. You don't go to Taysom Hill. Well, but you, you, I don't know where Winston sits. Uh, I don't know how well he's absorbed the offense. I don't know how, how they feel about him. I'm, I'm just operating. I, I get that that's what you want to talk about. But what we are talking about is no, what I'm other saying, people I'm are saying, talking about. Those other people, in my opinion, are completely off base. That's all I'm saying. There, uh, there's a chance that in his career, Jameis Winston has thrown to more New Orleans Saints than he than Drew Brees has this season. But perfect, perfect. I don't think that uh, I don't think that that they should make any decisions at all until Michael Thomas is back. There, that's that's clearly a loss of a major weapon. And, it is and a, affecting Alvin Kamara's ability to catch passes exactly. out of the backfield. It is, but they're also breaking down. They're also breaking down Breeze, some of Breeze's decision making, and some arm strength ideas. And you know, you get to be—he's forty-one years old, and I know he's great. And there are many teams that would love to have a Drew Breeze, but there is no—I don't think there's a debate that the production hasn't been there, and some of it obviously due to Thomas, and they've had some other issues as well. But I, I just think it's an interesting question. I was really surprised, Mark, to your point, that Taysom Hill was what the. Um, what people were talking about and people in the know saying this guy could be the go-to guy taking 85% of the snaps. Again, people in the know, <laughs> this is the show's called after further review right. and I'm, I'm after further reviewing all of these supposed okay. experts because, okay, what drew Brees? He's thrown nine touchdowns. He's thrown for three interceptions. He has a 71% completion percentage. Mm. He has 1300 yards. Yeah. It's not on a pace for 5,000 anymore, but I'm not sure what people are. They're three and two. 
You know, they won two games in a row. I mean, I, I just don't, I, to me, uh, this is an example. I'm sorry to be so passionate about it, but this is an example that just bump, just drives me nuts. It's like, really? Drew Brees? And and to Jeff's point, he doesn't even have, he's not even operating in full strength with his, right. with his weapons. Okay. All right. Have I mean, done, you, I'm not, you, I'm not you, yelling at you, John. You, I know you are yelling at me. I think it's way. a fair, you're very I know you're taking it that way, but I'm not no. yelling at you. You're looking at me and you're yelling. So I'm I mean, looking I at the camera. Way. I'm looking at the, on the, at the, at the camera on All the right. computer right now. All That's right. What I'm looking at. All right. Fair enough. Let's give uh, the next set of clues. Tom Marino has actually figured it out um, through the extra clues that you and I nice gave. Job. Nice uh, job. Yeah. It's not Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen wasn't an overall number one pick. No, he wasn't. Uh, all right. Uh, Tom admitting he cheated, by the way. And then his next uh, comment, he admitted he cheated. Heisman Trophy winner led the NFL in rushing one year, led his team in rushing yards seven times, led the league in touchdowns one year. Played six playoff games, winning a Super Bowl, number one overall draft pick, rookie of the year, played with two teams. Two-time Pro Bowler was the first player to have his jersey retired while still active at his school. Should give you an idea of their football history. Ranked <laughs> second all-time for single-season rookie rushing yards. Played with Archie Manning and Doug Williams. So that we'll was leave supposedly that out there. the giveaway clue there. New Orleans and and the Redskins. And uh, well, now see you're giving extra clues. You're not giving the people just listening to the podcast. Why do you hate the podcast listeners, Mark? I think that's I something we need. Podcast listeners. I don't think you do. I, I think I, you only like I, the people who tune in. You're I very much a visual medium guy. I'm, I'm really not. I, I actually think we should discuss losing the uh the youtube thing and just sticking with the podcast well you know me i'm i'm you know the the amount of foundation i've had to put on and you know i have to sleep with like cucumbers over my eyes at night so i don't look well, my about your hair and the prep that your hair has to go through i know it's in, it's in a ponytail again today i know that uh, that uh, offends you on so yeah, many levels really, why does that bother really you so does. much why does that bother you so I much know. i just pull it, it back because it gets it out of the it way. seems so like i don't know it just seems pseudo hipster to me it's just it's just easier you when know. your hair's like Jeff. You ever had your hair like really long? It's, sometimes you just got to get it out of your face. I think you should let it my, hang out. Let it. Let my it my hair until I was twenty four years old was almost to my ass. And okay, yes, yeah. I had it in a ponytail, but yeah, I am going. I'm going to side with Mark here that if the bangs don't get into the ponytail holder, it shouldn't be in a ponytail. Yeah, some of them do and some of them don't because it's uh, that. And that's why I kind of have to. But if if I, if I don't do it at all, it just comes down on on the I sides. Like I love that. I love that look, John. You want to take my my God. Now let's this feels it. feels let's like a let's feels like a lifetime movie. Rocks. Yes, there it is. There. <laughs> there it is, Johnny. There we are. I'm, is that, well, I, I think. See, I think that's look. I think that looks great. Well, sometimes I do look three to four years younger. Wow. Okay. So I don't look. Uh, so I look in my sixties. Excellent. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's jump back to uh, the potpourri just for a second, Mark, before we get to the parlor game, because I do want to get the parlor game because I think it's interesting because I've been running around in my mind what the question is, and I don't know that I have an answer to it, but I know that Jeff does, and I want to hear what it is. Um. 19 members of the University of Florida football team uh, tested positive. I believe the LSU-Florida game has been postponed for this weekend. Um, what is your level of optimism that we finish a college football season at this point? My level of optimism is high. It's yeah, still uh, going to be just like every other sport they have to, uh, they have to deal with. Um, that makes me angry. Calling me Ron White. They have to deal with uh, everything. <laughs> Uh, that comes at them. Uh, we've seen baseball 
handle it. We're, we're watching the NFL right now handle it. Can I ask uh, a quick question about it? Do we're, you think, we're about to see college football handle it. Do you think that we're going to get to the end of this college football season? Because the NFL has actually discussed this. Um, and some teams will have played their full schedule and others will not have played their full right. schedule. And we'll right. have to go. Do you think that'll happen? I think, yeah, Jeff's nodding. I think that's going to happen too, because I think there are going to be some bottom feeders. Um, no offense to those schools, but towards the end of the season, and they're going to have a number of positive tests. And is it, it responsible to go and play a game? And is there any point in it? No, if there's no point, they're not going to play. I think that's part of what they're figuring out. I think they're going to figure it out. I think uh, college football is going to be figured out. I do have an opinion, and this is this is informed by my general bias, and everyone who knows me understands what that is, and that is that uh, you know, comments like the swamp needs to be filled. He is now appropriately walking back, and that's what's going to have to happen with these college football coaches who yeah. are like, well, sometimes you just say stuff, and I get it. It was a stupid comment to make, but, but it was. A, but that's the point. It was like Ogeron at the top of the season was saying, you know, I hope all of them get it so we can get through it and this, that, and the other. It's like, you know, and he doesn't want anybody seeing his games clearly, and he's being talked about as you know, will he be fired more quickly than Gene Chizik was fired at Auburn? After winning a national championship, I, I do think I do think that uh, that college football though will uh, will will make the appropriate changes. Will, but you think there'll be a playoff and a championship uh, and all of that stuff? That's that's the thing. Remember, there's there's three four weeks between the last regular season game and the playoffs. Yeah. So there's all kinds of time to adjust. But what this might bring up, which would be great is that you could actually play between December 7th and December 31st. Or December oh, I think they're going to have to. And and guess what? That whole stupid argument about, well, they're taking tests and they need to wait and all that other crap about the playoffs, it's going to expose the ridiculousness of their argument, which is something we can bring up, oh, by the way, in the parlor game. Uh, probably, there are probably 80 guys on the, I'd say 80 guys on the Alabama football team what percentage of those guys could find their way to any academic building in Tus- Tuscaloosa? Um, I think uh, in September, at the beginning of the season, it's a much higher percentage than it would be in December. In December, <laughs> they'll they're free. They're free in December. They have they have their uh, you know their proxies taking their test form. Of December. course, they do as well. They should. Well, All yeah. right, uh, the kind of amount of money they're making for those universities. Good lord, come on. All right. Uh, all right. Let's get on to your parlor game. Explain everybody what your parlor game is, because it's a pretty interesting question. Yeah, it, it came up to me because, uh, you know, once LeBron won his fourth, that argument reignited a little bit between uh, Matt, uh, between Michael Jordan and between LeBron James. And uh, Stephen A. Smith was quoted as saying, no matter what LeBron James does, no matter what he does, he will never change his mind. LeBron could win three more championships, have seven, been to 13, Mm-hmm. And have seven MVP finals MVP trophies, and it wouldn't change Stephen A. Smith's mind. And I thought to myself, you know, I think most sports fans, when it comes to the classic debates, you know, one of them is, you know, the goats of any particular sport, uh, you know, the designated hitter rule for crying out loud, yeah, uh, college much. football playoff. Most people, I think, most sports fans have opinions that are intractable. Are there any issues out there? that you could say right now that you're open to changing your mind about, because that would be very interesting because most sports talk shows just are people yelling about opinions that no, no one's going to change their mind. 
Right. It's all about yelling and, and, you know, you know, verifying someone's opinion or yelling and telling how their opinion is wrong. And no one changes. It's like a Facebook argument. No one changes their mind. Is there any issue in sports, classic debates that are out there or potential classic debates that you think you'd be open to change your mind about? Um, I think I would be open to changing my mind. I, I, I will say one that I that I have been open to changing my mind about because I, I was often in the Stephen A. thing was that Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. And I will never, ever see another basketball player is better than Michael Jordan. And I still put maybe Michael at the top uh, incrementally. But I but I do. I will admit that if LeBron were to win, you know, two more, I think, you, you know, you might have to make an argument for him. The only other one that I think that I could be uh, dissuaded from is that I think the best rivalry in all of sports is is uh, Michigan Ohio State, and I think I could move away from that one. I think that if enough happened, you know, if Michigan continued to stop stepping up and turning it into what has essentially become a hammer and a nail thing, yeah. I think that could push me away from it because I think there was a point in time when I thought it was Yankees-Red Sox, and over the years, you've kind of beaten me down on that by showing me the periods of time where they're, they're, they, they never played a game of, of, of meaning at all, you know, that the Red Sox were so bad that the Yankees could have lost every game to the Red Sox and they'd still finish 30 games ahead of them, you know, in the, in the series. So I think those are a couple that I could move off of Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, how about you? My, mine isn't a classic argument. It's one that's had between me and other people because I'm typically the one that brings it up. And it's been a long time since it came up. And it really struck me when you said this is that I believe that Tiger Woods signing his contract with Nike and being forced to use Nike clubs is what derailed his career more than the other stuff. You're not the only person who said that. All right. I'm there, been other, there have been, there have been actually other, there are other I've golfers who that. said early on, particularly early on. Now I think there's an agreement that Nike makes pretty good golf clubs. They have come around on it, but that early in that, that the equipment he was using was subpar equipment. Comparatively, the reason I say I could be talked off of that argument is because I think that he may have lost it mentally even before all of the stuff that came out about him came out because all of that stuff was going on. So but I've been hard fast that changing clubs is really what made him lesser a player in his short game, especially. Yeah, I think the I think there there was a there was a school of thought that that kind of held him back and that there was a even in his dominant years that there was a, that he was so much better than everybody else that he was overcoming the fact that his equipment wasn't quite as good. And, you know, on the LeBron and Michael Jordan thing, I think that that's one that my, the, it, it, I also feel swayed, but at the same time, I just feel like LeBron James would have been far less successful before all of the rules that have made it so much easier for a player, especially of his magnitude, to score more, to rebound more. I mean, if LeBron James would have tried to go in the paint in the 80s or even in the 70s, he would have been beaten mercilessly. And I think that would have taken away half of his points where Michael Jordan had a game that he could do that and uh, stay outside. So I just think Michael Jordan's a better player. I, uh, You know, that's an interesting one. I love to compare it to the Tom Brady because I... I, you know, for years, obviously thought Joe Montana was the best quarterback of all time. And I finally came around on Tom Brady because 
Tom Brady uh, has been to nine. He's won six. Uh, I'm sorry. There's I, even though Montana hasn't thrown an interception in 127 attempts, 122. Um, but I bring Tom Brady up, Jeff, because would Tom Brady have been as good? No, and even Joe Montana's era. I, I, I when, know, when, when and, and it wouldn't have been high, was not a foul. It wouldn't have been Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is a very accurate, very cool under pressure guy. But you have to factor in the fact that he doesn't get hit as much as Joe Montana did because there have been rules that have been changed when it comes to hitting the quarterback. And also the pass interference rules have become so much more stringent that guys can't defend like they did against Jerry Rice and, and uh, Taylor and all the guys that Joe Montana was throwing. Well, that's why I think wide receivers, particularly wide receiver numbers, even more than quarterbacks is if, you know, if a guy had had to play under the same rules that a Lance Allworth would have had to play under in the sixties or, you know, one, one of the, Many people lined them 20 yards down the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I mean, that went into the 70s. I mean, they were, you know, George Atkinson and and all of those guys, uh, Dr. Death, those guys for the secondary, the Oakland Raiders and other teams as well. I mean, the Raiders played that up, but you watch films back then. I, you know, the Michael Irvin is a big, strong guy, but, you know, Michael Irvin, after having, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers clothesline him six times in a game, or knock him out in, in games might have not been as effective. Yeah, and and I think it does come into the quarterback as well because a quarterback had to consider in those days, what am I getting my receiver into if I if I try to make this pass, especially if they're if they're running a uh, an angle route into the middle of the field. Yeah, they there's didn't care. safety there. Like they, they, they seem they seem they to care. not care because yeah, they, they would, care. but I it they have to run through their mind. Yeah, it was the sixties. It's like you're making fifty six hundred dollars a year driving a new Monte Carlo. Quit your wine and go across the middle. No, seriously, seriously, that's just hilarious. Decapitate you? Who cares? You signed the contract. Uh, that hit, on, hit on Joe Montana with Leonard Marshall. He probably wouldn't have been able to get away with that. This, you know, no, that was completely legal. Nothing wrong with that at all. I don't know about now though, because yeah, I, no, he'd have gotten away with it. That's just stop going back to it. You see, that's just it's, it. It was unfortunate. It just wasn't illegal. That hit on Montana. Hey, should but we give illegal now? Is all I'm saying. All right. Uh, you want, let's go ahead and uh, give the answer to our progressive trivia um, right now, and then we can talk some more about this stuff. In the because I think I think this is a fun discussion. I'm trying to come up with other ones. What hard and fast rules that I believe? This guy's a Heisman Trophy winner, led the NFL in rushing one year, led his team in rushing yards seven times, led the league in touchdowns one year, played six playoff games, winning a Super Bowl, number one overall draft pick, rookie of the year, played with two teams. Mark mentioned it, New Orleans and the Washington football team, two-time Pro Bowler, first player to have his jersey retired while still active at his schools. Columbia, South Carolina, not a hotbed of football talent. Uh, ranked second all-time for single-season rookie rushing yards. Played with Archie Manning and Doug Williams. And the answer is the great George Rogers. There it is. Mark's upset because I got it early on. But, you know, Amazing. a scan, Amazing. you know. And, uh, and you know, I think it was probably that he was on that Super Bowl-winning team. I, I didn't realize he had that kind of pro career. I really didn't. Yeah, George Rogers. I think Gerald Riggs was on that team as well. They had, they had some guys who... Uh, they they were really good at getting picking up guys at the end of their career. That was kind of like the George Allen holdover part for those Washington teams. They pick up a guy at the end of his career who looked like it was over and could kind of fit him in as a piece. Um, what about uh, any any other ones, Mark, that you can think? Because this is a fun. I, I I don't know how many hard and fat. I you know I'll, you'll never change me on the designated hitter. See, the designated I, I, hitter I, makes I, baseball I, worse. 
I could be changed on the designated hitter. They're really? Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, I could be changed on a lot of baseball stuff in terms of playoffs and the DH at this point in time. I'll always favor the lack of the DH, always favor the National League play. But if that's a change that happens, I, I, it's not a hill I need to die on. That's for a any tough reason. one for me. And, uh, uh, you know, Tom says LeBron used to hate LeBron. And I'm not sure what changed with that, Tommy. Uh, you know, he's more appreciative of his talents now. He's appreciative more of his off-the-field charity work. Tom says it has nothing to do with him being a Laker. Um, <laughs> okay. I believe you. I believe you. But I, I'd like to know what changed. What changed hmm. with LeBron? Uh, and my thing with LeBron and Michael – to me, I think it's an unwinnable argument on either side. Uh, I think I, I like what I set up Monday or I like what I set up Wednesday after they won the championship. It's like any top five you choose, the two and the three or the two and the four are always going to be Michael and LeBron. Right. They're going to be on every single top five. You know, the point guards might change. It might be Oscar Robertson. It might be Magic Johnson. Yeah. Some people might say John Stockton. Uh the centers will certainly change. Abdul Jabbar, Shaq, Chamberlain, Russell, Hakeem. obviously. The four. Yeah, Hakeem, the fours may change. Yeah. You know, you might get a bird, although bird's more of a three. You might get a uh, a Duncan in there. That Those will change. But every single top five all-time team that you can think of in, the, in NBA history, a starting five, Michael and LeBron are going to be on. Yeah. I, the, and, I, I, uh, I do. I did take from what you just said, and, and it made me think, how many of those guys did LeBron play against? And how many of those guys did Jordan play against? Well, Jordan. All-time greats. Yeah, but it, it, Jordan it, it, really didn't play against Kareem in any meaningful way. And no, you have to step away. Guy's career. And you have and, to step away for a few years conference. before you start talking all-time greats anyway. I mean, that LeBron's in that discussion, as was Jordan, while they were active players. A lot of guys, you know, it, it takes Kareem certainly was as well in the discussion, as you mentioned, though that's not a hard and fast. I think the uh I think the uh, the Brady Montana one is interesting because I just look at it this way, because I think that's a one A and one B too. Because if you had to put together a football team and you got Either of those guys in their prime, if you if it, if the quarterback choices were Tom Brady and Joe Montana, and the guy in front of you took Joe Montana, you'd go right. like a Tom Brady. Right. And I think the opposite is true as well. Sure. I just think that's that's really a push. I mean, you could you and you can argue many many sides of it because um, they said, well, you know, Brady didn't have a lot of great talent around him. Look at the '81 San Francisco 49ers, For the love of God, they were that was not that was a team that had exceptional quarterback play and great coaching. That's what, what won, which is the same thing that you could see out of New England at times. But I, I think, uh, yeah, that's not that's one I just don't have a hard. I, I don't have to be taken off of either one of those guys because I just I just don't think that's a winnable argument either. And I think too. Believe it or not, being at the ESPN club where we we would talk to fans from everywhere, from all co- kinds of points of view, you sort of, you know, start thinking that's, you know, that's true. That's right. I should rethink that. You know, the whole thing with the Dodgers. I hated the Dodgers. The Dodgers needed to lose everything and they needed their they needed their Chavez Ravine to be returned, that land to be returned <laughs> to the indigenous people. Who well, were that still needs to happen. That still needs to happen. And uh but, you know, you have to look at the entire history of the franchise. You look at a Vince Gull, you look at a Jackie Robinson, and you say, you know, that's a, it's a classic franchise. I think uh, in terms of uh, – I'll tell you what. Here, here's one. The Cheater Dome. 
Will I ever be taken off of that? Right, because not a dome. We probably should be taken off of that just for the incorrect nature of the nomenclature. Designing a stadium specifically so you can artificially enhance the noise therein, and then you fill it with a bunch of people celebrating themselves. I don't know. I don't think that's going to be one I can back off of. Wow. Okay, it's not a dome. And like the artificially. Specifically for artificial amplification. Well, I would think it would have a, it would be closed if that were true. It'd be completely no, closed in. The way it goes. It's going to be louder if it's closed in. Just and I think, I think though, the way they understand sound waves better than we do, John, and they bounce around. They... Well, I think, I, I think we all understand sound waves to a certain, we all understand what acoustic shadows are and all kinds of things. Some of them escape through the, through the top, but I mean, because of that, because of that design, Not it actually enhances the noise in there more than a dome would. But nobody, it, people, people, people say, people will still say that um, Kansas City, it's louder at, at Arrowhead. And that was built in like 1970, for God's sake. So, yes, I, I don't know, Mark. I, I don't know. I think this is just. I believe they're the same acoustic engineers, though. I believe what? the guys that built Arrowhead are the same guys that built uh, the, the <laughs> whatever, whatever them. Seattle. Forty years apart, they got uh, the stadium. Hey, we got another stadium built. Let's make this one loud. It, it it comes down to for you, Mark. It comes down to more than anything. It's the fans. It's that twelfth man thing, which really it's that's interesting to me because for for a guy who has a lot of superstitions when it comes to your team, you're you were you were gonna gamble away every penny you had on a game once with it was that wasn't made it into the video by the way if you, if you watch the whole thing yeah i need i still need to watch that whole thing it's, 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 it's a seven hours and couple, it's a david it, lean film it, it really is it's hotel terminus but not as funny um it's uh it's that it's i don't i don't i still don't understand that about you why i get fans i said it they're the dodgers Seeger! oh you're you're down seven to three yeah nice nice um but the, that whole 12th man thing with Seattle, that just, what, where does that come from? Why? What in your past gets well, you so. It it's like, you know, when you're, because it's celebrating themselves. It's not celebrating the team. It's, it's like the, the perfect Celebrating example. the home field advantage. No, it, it's it's not necessarily. So I guess it's celebrating. The That's what it's celebrating. It's it's like we're really loud here, and it helps. Why do they have the, the the home field advantage because of them? Okay, so it's celebrating them, John. You can't get away with them. Cel- it's like arrow. It's like you know anyone at uh, you know uh, Tampa Bay. If everyone dressed as a pirate, and that was what everyone loved, and they dressed as a pirate, and they didn't care who was on the field. They just cared about dressing as making sure everyone dressed as a pirate to celebrate them. I would even have a better time with that because at least that's a character. At least it's a character. <laughs> they come in there and they just wear a 12 on their Jersey. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's like, I want to look at the Seahawks. I want to look at Russell Wilson. I want to look at Bobby Wagner. So you really have a problem with uh, television directors, directors of football that uh, turn the cameras on the 12th man. No, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, you see them in the club. You see them at everywhere else. It's all yeah. about number 12. It's all about them. I don't know why you don't see this. This is like this is narcissism 101, Johnny. It is I've made it. I've made it now my life's goal to change your mind on this. It's now my life goal wow. to change your mind on this. So, oh, boy, talk about your privileged white guy. You know. 
there's a lot of crap going down world? that we could do. <laughs> and I I could I could address that those things and use my skills. But marking a 12th man thing, that uh and here's the sad part. I don't necessarily disagree that it's actually probably a pretty good thing to, to make your life's goal because I it just it it there's you something there. Narcissism no, I, well, I mean, I just see I, I you know, fan is short for fanatic. It's, people do stupid things. I think, you know, showing up at a game in Buffalo team. in December, not wearing your shirt, you're in, you're a moron. You're not a great but, fan. You're just you're not a narcissist. You're not a narcissist. Well, yes, you are, because you know you're going to get on TV. If you're the guy with frostbite and, and man boobs in the front row, you know, wearing the hat that Jim Kelly autographed at a Kroger one day, and you know you're going to be on TV. Kroger. You just love to reference Kroger. Do I really? John, there are 12,000 of those in, in what was formerly known as Rich Stadium. I'm not sure what it is now. There are tw- you know, three of them get on, on camera. It's not about narcissism for them. It's about supporting their team. See, now it's the same. Seattle, it's about, look exactly. at me, look at me. I'm 12, I'm 12. It's, it's narcissism 101. It's a Columbia <laughs> University experiment in societal narcissism. narcissism. All right. Well, I, I might be sold on that. I might be able to be sold on that. One. That's all you have to do is just get into, you know, <laughs> hook into Columbia University. Hook into, I know. You hook I, into I, a, uh, an Ivy League school and you probably got John Falcon listening to it. I've changed my mind. It's, I've now made it my life goal to agree with Mark <laughs> on everything. Fair he, enough. He, he switched me. Yeah, well, whatever whatever gets you through the night, man. That's why I don't care about the 12th man. I, I wouldn't do it. I'm the adult who would never have a jersey of a team with my name on the back of it. Right. That's narcissistic as well. You know, that 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 really that that bugs me. Uh, my wife is bothered by it, it, she feels exactly the opposite. She's like, well, why would you have somebody else's name on the back? And I'm that's a guy who plays for the team. And she's like, well, why would you want your name? It's because I don't play for the team, nor, you know, would I ever? Why would I want, you know, she doesn't really get that. She doesn't understand why that's that's my thing. And that should bother you much more than the. the Tom Marino asks, is it okay to go to a Washington game dressed up as a female pig? Absolutely. uh, Yeah, I would say overall, I mean, they're just playing a character, Tommy. They're not. They're not. They're not being narcissistic. They're playing a character. Imply the offensive line isn't good enough to do it this year, though. I mean, you know, it's got. It's got to coincide with. You know, I could see if the twelfth. If you're like the twelfth man in Detroit, then it's like Jesus. You know, go walk into the ocean, pal. Because I mean, you know, you boy, talk about wasting your life for God's sake. What the I hell? Do it. Go do a Bruce Dern. I would almost appreciate that more. <laughs> like how easy it is. How easy is it to say, "Oh, I'm the twelfth man of a team that." goes to back-to-back Super Bowls and has one of the all-time quarterbacks of all time. I could be convinced at some point, I will say this, I could be convinced at some point that Russell Wilson is the greatest quarterback of all time. Really? Yes, because uh, wow, because I value I value clutch play so much. It's what I loved most about Joe Montana is he played at his best when it mattered most. And that's the same with Russell Wilson. Yeah. I've never seen someone play so good when it matters most on third down on fourth down often this year. Yeah. When his team is down in the fourth quarter, he is as clutch as they come. And I would be open, believe it or not to that argument, because that's how much I, I value Russell Wilson. And that should tell you how legitimate my feelings about the 12th man are. I here's one for me is then as you mentioned that I could be convinced that I could possibly be convinced that John Elway is in the top three quarterbacks of all time. I don't believe that to be true. 
necessarily. John Elway, okay. Yes, but I could be convinced because I have seen, you know, as people break these things down more, I have seen about some of those Denver teams that he did take to not the playoffs, to conference championships, the Super Bowls, were not great teams top to bottom. And, and, uh, I, and I don't necessarily think – I think Dan Reeves was a very good football coach, but I think he was a bit of a clam in big games at times. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, uh, I do think, though, he's a little bit like I, – I remember uh, uh, John Madden talking about Lou Saban. And he said about Lou Saban, he said, and he said this about Lou Saban and Billy Martin. If I had a bad team that I needed to make viable, those are the guys that I would put in charge of them. Yeah, that's a good, great, and great. I think, and I think Dan Reeves is a guy who could take a team that might not have been as talented. Um, now, he had John Elway. Let's start there. But, I mean, he also did it um, with Chris Chandler. In, um, wasn't he? Chris Chandler was the quarterback of that uh, the team in Atlanta, I believe, that went. He was, so I think yeah. He was good at that. He just wasn't good at the, the next step of getting over that step. And there are a lot of guys who have been probably successful championship coaches who would not have had as much success with, with lesser talented teams. It's an interesting discussion, but I, I would, I would be, I would be up for that discussion about John Elway. I don't think it's necessarily true that he's a top three. I think the top five, I, you could argue with him, but I could be convinced otherwise on that. So how about uh, Tom, by the way, comes, comes uh, up with this idea that uh, if the Dodgers lose tonight, um, does Dave Roberts take any responsibility for all these years? Um, well, this is his fifth year with the Dodgers, I believe. Yeah, fifth year with the Dodgers. And this is their eighth consecutive division championship. So he would take, you know, he could take five eighths of the responsibility. Justin Turner's been there most of that time. Yeah, I mean, he's got to take some. He's got to take some level of the sure, responsibility. Sure, of course. But, but, you know, people are already calling to fire Shanahan. Right now, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I know. It's just it's just amazing how quickly they go. Let me ask you this one, John. Will you could you ever be convinced that outside of Bill Belichick, because I think everyone agrees he's the best coach of all time at this point, that that you could you ever be convinced Don Shula is number two? I know that's a toughie. That's why I'm asking this. I know it's a toughie. I, I, I could. I could personally. Even though I want to have Bill Walsh ahead of him, I want to have Joe Gibbs ahead of him. I want to have Vince Lombardi. Oh, by the way, ahead of him, you I know, want to have Paul Brown ahead of him. Sure, I, yeah, I, I could be convinced. Yeah, I mean, I think he could be in that discussion. Sure, I think he's a guy who's in that discussion. I Number still two. think it would be it would be difficult to get me there. Um, and I saw Joe also put about Emmett Smith being the greatest running. I love Emmett Smith, but I don't think Emmett Smith is the best running back of all time. Though I will have that discussion with you. Um, because I think running backs too, I think, you know, would Emmett Smith have had as much yardage in the uh, Jim Brown era as he did in the Emmett Smith era? Would he have as much yardage if he had been a Cincinnati Bengal instead of a Dallas Cowboy with the, with the talent that that team had? I mean, but those are, those are hypotheticals, but, uh, uh I, uh, I, yeah, yeah, you, we could talk about Don Shula being number two. Uh, and Joe, as long as he steps aside for the Super Bowl game and I can have somebody else step in. That's gotcha. it. Yeah. He would step aside for every game this point um <laughs> sorry so he'd have as much success in super bowl almost as much success in super bowls now as he did you know after the nixon administration so joe uh can you ever be convinced that emmett smith is not the greatest running back of all time he has the most yards we'll give you that and uh, he's up there in touchdowns i think second maybe to jerry rice all time yeah uh so he's definitely up there but oh yeah there's a bit of a compiler thing happening 
And also, Jim Brown retired after 10 years. Mm-hmm. So did Barry Sanders. Sanders, Barry Sanders, right. And, I mean, you have to give credit to longevity. That's where I think LeBron gets a lot of love. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's part, of, it's part of everybody's. You uh, know. But, uh, sure. but, Joe, would you ever be convinced? What, what is out there? You know, now Tom Marino has already been convinced. He's already turned a little bit on LeBron. But is there any any other any other argument out there? Any other argument out there, Joe, that you would be that you're heretofore been entrenched in, and now and you know you can be open to turning that around. So, I um, am open to have someone turn me around on the narcissist on the uh, you know fundamentally narcissistic uh, focus of Seattle. Seahawks fans. I'm open to that. Yeah, I won't the, shut it down. It doesn't mean enough to me either way to try to convince you either way. I'm just, I don't even think about it. You know, it's just one of those tradition things. And I think maybe more because I am more of a college football guy. And that seems like sort of a college thing. Certainly the, the 12th man, that was a big deal at Texas A&M and colleges have more of that. So I think it bothers me a little bit less than it does you. You're, you you want to some inexplicable way. You're a little button. You want to be a little more buttoned up than that as a fan. I don't really get that. I don't really get that at all. By the way, uh, about the team. That's all. This that just came. Too much? This just came down. Uh, they canceled the Pro Bowl for the first right. time since 1949. I think we saw that one coming. Um, I, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to send out my condolences to both of the people who watched the Pro Bowl. I don't know what you're going to do on that day. Maybe watch an old Pro Bowl because it'll mean once, just as once much. again Orlando getting slammed to the yeah. in the coronavirus. I mean, well, well Atlanta, who, Orlando has probably been the worst city affected. I mean, yeah. I guess maybe you could say New York because three times as many people died as in Florida, but uh, and a lot more compared to Orlando. But in, in Vegas and Orlando have been squashed by this. Uh, yeah, they have. Here's Joe Conley, another example. Joe Conley asking which ESPN club host is the best, and uh, Riley getting a vote. I would go with Lori Ann Keel. Uh, that's who. That's who my. That's how my favorite ESPN host will be. Will be Lori Ann Keel. Mine's Dave Azer. Right, rest, well, I can. I can see why he carried you for all those years. <laughs> he really did. I mean, seriously, you got to have someone carrying you when you're learning the gig. It's 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 Ryan Fitzpatrick and 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 Tua. All right, before we go, uh, two baseball games tonight. Is your right? The, the the one thing that it does is the is the odd ball for me is that they are playing night after night after night yeah. after night after night. Um, that hurts with pitching uh, rotations. How do you see this? Uh, do do the Rays take care of business? Do they just sweep the Astros? Can the can the Braves go up three to nothing? Or the favored Dodgers come back today? How do you see it? See the Dodgers winning. Okay. I see the uh, the Rays winning. I think okay. the Astros are in their head. Altuve can't make a throw from second. A la Steve Sachs, as Tom brought up. That was true. And a la Chuck Knobloch. Yeah. You know, now Chuck Knobloch, that team was able to win a World Series. And in 81, I don't know when Sachs did his thing, but in 81, the Dodgers won a World Series as well. So, mm. uh, and actually, that wasn't Steve Sachs, I, I don't believe. That might be closer to 80. I mean, he may have been on that 88 team. Sacks. Yeah, Bill, but that was still been Bill Russell, right? The second baseman. Well, still, in- no, still would have been uh, Davey Lopes. And Davey Lopes, excuse me. So, so I could be wrong. I mean, maybe the Yips encourage the rest of the team to step up even more than they would to make up for the difference of a, of a man, you know, 30 feet away from first base who can't make that throw. Fair enough. Jeff, Braves, Dodgers, Rays, Astros, your feelings? I think that uh, I agree with Mark. I don't know that the Rays will put it away tonight, but they are going to put it away. The Astros are not going to come back. Uh, 
I don't know about the Braves Dodgers. Uh, if there was a team that could come back from being down 2-0, it's the Dodgers. Yeah, they're, they're just going to have to show me more than, you know, four decent innings at the end of a game, frankly, uh, before I believe it. Because I would much rather see them lose another World Series than see them lose an NLCS, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I want to I want a Braves Rays series for, for many, many I reasons. Want, I wouldn't mind that. I want them out as soon as possible. Of course you do. Of course you do. Uh, then I can relax. Then I can right. really enjoy the baseball playoffs. All right. You can go and relax now because that's it. That's uh, that's all for our show. Thanks uh, to everybody for listening and or watching or both if you really have a lot of free time, which maybe some of you do. We will be back on Friday with uh, our preview of the big weekend, uh, the mediocre weekend in college football. It's such a great weekend last weekend. And this, this weekend, not as many... Uh, Exciting games, but uh, Joe's College by the Sea games. Yeah, I have no problem with Joe's College by the Sea. It's just when the nuns are involved, it seems like a poor use of your resources to, to buy that primary. See, it's always about it's always about the uh, you know follow the money. In your mind, the fairy tale. It's all always about that. Yeah, it real. It really is, Trevor Lawrence. That's Trevor Lawrence. That's Trevor Lawrence. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.